Turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. And it's interesting that Coach made mention of how easy it is sometimes to complain. As we started looking last week at Habakkuk, one of the things that we began to see real, real quick is this. Habakkuk was confused. As he looked out upon the nation, he realized he was a prophet. And you remember what prophets were supposed to do. Prophets were supposed to go deliver the words to the people from God. Now, a lot of times, what happens to the messenger? We know the saying, the messenger always ends up getting shot or getting killed, right? I guarantee you there were times in Habakkuk's life and in his ministry where he felt that. Okay, Habakkuk was what you would call one of these skeptic prophets. He looked around his society, he looked upward to God, he raises his hands up, and then he offers his complaint. And so I want to show you real quick as we, uh, I know we're going to go through this little book over the next few weeks, but I want to show you what he does. And it's ironic how all of this happens. Habakkuk, in chapter 1, he lays out the complaint And as he complains, God comes back and he gives an answer. Well, it's almost like, okay, God, I know you've said this, but maybe it's not enough and I need to hear some more. And so guess what else he does? He complains again. Then after that second complaint, beginning in chapter 2, God gives an answer. And guess what Habakkuk does? He complains more. And then in chapter 3, we're going to see this in a few weeks, God finally says, you know what? Here's what we need to do, Habakkuk. We need to pray about this. We need to really see what's important. We need to really see in the grand scheme of things what's really important in life. And as Habakkuk looks around, he sees problems He sees moral outrage. He sees oppressive leadership. He sees superficial people. He sees all this strife and all this violence on every corner. And his one complaint is, God, how long? How long am I going to have to look at all this? How long are you going to put up with all of this? And so look in chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, and look what he says. The Lord replied, I want you to look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. And at that point, you know Habakkuk's thinking, what? you got to be kidding me. So they're going to march across the world and they're going to conquer other lands. And he goes on to say they are notorious for their cruelty, and they do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey, and on they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls 
and they capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. You see, their own strength is their God. Not the God of heaven and earth, but the God like an idol God. And so I wonder this morning, what idol gods do you have in your life? What idol gods are there, I mean, so presently right in front of you? Because here's what happens. When you wake up and you open your eyes and you see anything but the God of heaven and earth, it's become your idol. And God says that's when not just your eyes, but your heart will be far from me. And at that point, God is really telling Habakkuk, you know, I know what you see is not good. I know what you see is not the way that you would do it. But here's the deal. I'm going to be able to work in ways and I'm going to be able to work through things and through circumstances and through people like you would never believe on your life. And Habakkuk kind of steps back and says, you're right. But again, what is God trying to remind Habakkuk? I am God and you are not. I am in charge of all and you're not. And so when you look in verse 12, here's what we need to do. We've got to consider who God is. And so look at verse 12. Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. Oh, Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. Now, here's what I want you to do this morning. In verse 12, I want you to underline some of these words or phrases that I'm going to give you, or you can write them down, whichever you want to do. But when you look around at society and you begin to really get depressed at what you see, this, that's another reminder to go back and consider who God is. Okay? Because when you look at it from the, from the point of here's God and here's the world, God is always better, amen? God is good. So consider who God is. And so look at these phrases, these words that mean so much to us. He's the eternal one, he says. In other words, God has always been around. And if he's the eternal one, even when you look at things and you don't like what you see, don't worry about it. Put your faith and your hope and your trust in the eternal one because that means he will always be there. Not only is he eternal, but God is personal. Notice he says, oh Lord, my God. Let's ask the question. Who is your God? Is he the God of heavens and the earth? Is he the God that 
created you? Or are you putting hope and faith and trust in something else? And church, we know if it's something else, it'll never last. But if it's God, the eternal one, you see what he wants to do? He wants to get down on your level on a personal way. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your master. He wants to be your savior. But you've got to say, okay, I want that too. And so often we fight that. Because Satan does everything he can to guard against Almighty God being that personal Lord and Savior that you want him to be. Will you let him in? Not only is he eternal and he's personal, he's holy. That means to be set apart. And you know the idea of holiness. God says, you are to be holy just as I am holy. And so you are to live a life of holiness. You are to live a life that is set apart. And when you do that, guess what? You are ready to be used by God in some mighty ways. You will be connecting with God in ways that you can't even begin to fathom. And our prayer is that we can help other people see the importance of what it means to connect with him as well. He's the Lord. You know the word Lord there means boss. Guess what? Your boss is in control. Your boss is in charge. The buck stops with your boss. And so when you look at it that way from a heavenly perspective, God is our boss. He's our leader. He is in charge and he wants to be in charge. He wants to be in control of all areas of life. And he will lead us in the right direction if we simply follow him. And then another phrase there, he's the rock. He is immovable. He is secure. He doesn't change. He has a plan, and guess what? His plan always works. And what he wants to do is he wants to work his plan in and through our beautiful life. I know many of you are soul-searching, and you're asking God this one question. God, what is it right now in my life that you really want me to do? God, what is it that you really want me to be about? What a prayer. God, I just want to be a little bit closer to you tomorrow than I was the day before. God, I want to be close. I want to come to know who you are. And so I want you to skip down to chapter 2. There in about verse 13 through 17, he just goes on a comparison and he starts doing all these things about who the real enemy is. And here's the amazing thing. Habakkuk believes that God's actions are always a step on the path to salvation for his people. And so I want you to catch this. Even though Habakkuk has some doubts, even though he looks around and he doesn't like what he sees, 
He's not giving up on God. He may not agree with it. He may not agree with how God is working. He may not agree that God's going to use the Babylonians. Habakkuk says, you've got to be kidding. They are a cruel people. How can you use them? Again, God says, don't worry about that. Let me be in control. So I wonder this morning, what areas of our lives do you hear God saying that? Don't worry. I've got it. Don't worry. I'm going to be in control of that too. Can you hear the voice of God saying that to you? It's like every time you kind of write down your worries or your thoughts or whatever it may be, always come back and hear the voice of God say, don't worry about that. I've got it. And so understanding that as we continue to pray in Habakkuk chapter 2, look what he says beginning at the, at the very beginning of chapter 2. Here's what he says. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. And there I'm going to wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. And then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. And if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live their faithfulness by who? By God. So here's the action step. Here are the three action steps that God gives to Habakkuk. And here's the thing. When he looks around and he sees all that he doesn't like, he comes down to begin to realize this. He he says this in so many words to Habakkuk, and I want you to hear this this morning for your own life. You can't fix other people. You can't change other people but you can change yourself Habakkuk you may not can change all that you see around you God says but you know what you can do you can look at yourself and you can change yourself now you know what we don't like that We struggle with that because it is so much easier for me to come down here and tell Alan what is wrong with him rather than to look at my own life and see what's wrong with me. But you know what? As much as I love this good guy, I can't fix him. I can't control him. But I can fix me with the power of God. And that's the only way it happens. Chains come loose. And you say, God, I'm ready for you to do that to me. He says, okay, so here's what you do. He says, you stop worrying about everything that you see, and I want you to run. I want you to run to a safe place. That's what the watchtower represented. It's that place of protection in a city where you could see it 
and you knew what was going on, and when you were in the watchtower, man, you could just look over everything and see it. God says, I want you to run to that watchtower. And when you run and when you get there, I want you to keep praying, and I want you to wait on my timing. Ah, that's the other part we don't like, isn't it? Because we want that timing to happen right now. But God says, you run and you wait on my timing. And church, here's the deal. When you wait on the timing of God, it will always be right. When you wait on the timing of God in your life, whatever the circumstances may be, what a blessing it will be. And so what we've got to do is we've got to stop trying to fit God into our schedule and we've got to allow our schedule to fit in to God's plans. In other words, we've got to rearrange some priorities. And after you wait on God, this was the challenge from last week, God says, I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down in such big letters that when the messenger comes and he carries it away, people know what it is. Write it down. That means you've got to stop. You've got to slow down enough to take time to do what God is calling you to do. But when you do that, here's what happens. You begin to realize in your life God really does know what's best for me. Maybe I'm not near as good as I thought I was. But with our lives in the hands of God, wonderful things can happen. Let God be in control. Let God lead your life. And while we're talking about appreciation, maybe, just maybe what we need to do in our life is to just slow down and appreciate God a little more. When was the last time that you just bowed your head and said, thank you, God, for who you are? Let's do that right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for calling us to live life with you. And Father, we know that just like in Habakkuk's times, we see it today. There's a lot of things that we look around and we don't like and we don't agree with. And Father, help us to realize there's not a thing we can do about it. But you've promised us the righteous will live by faith. And may we put our lives in your hands. And Father, our prayer this morning is, as you have our life, do with it as you see fit. Shape and mold us 
into the image of your son. If there's things, Father, in our life that are causing us to not be as close to you as we need to be, Father, we want them gone. We know you have the power to do that. Thank you for loving us, Father, and we thank you for Jesus and for the hope that we have because of the cross. And it's through his name that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God invites you to come to him just as you are. Let's stand and sing this song this morning.